0: This Meeting on the Go podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Tonight's leader is Scott. Hi, everyone. I'm Scott. Um, I didn't know I was going to be called the leader. Um, <laughs> never, never heard that term before. So um, we'll just all walk together instead of being a leader. <laughs> um, I just that kind of fits with what I wanted to say to start. Um, I'm Scott. I'm a compulsive reader, um, and I get a lot of um, motivation from the unity prayer. Um, I've said this. Oh, thank you. I'm notorious for not starting the timer. Um, so I get a lot of motivation from the unity prayer, and um, I each time I say it, I get excited, um, and uh, because it's so hope filled. Um, and when I speak at meetings, um, I. Kind of imagine myself putting my hand in yours to do what I couldn't do alone. Um, so thank you all for being here tonight. Um, this is a really cozy room. When I got here, I thought, wow, this is really cozy. And then 50 people showed up. <laughs> this is a little nerve wracking. Um, this is the largest meeting I've ever been to. Um, but I am very happy to be here tonight. Um, so that being said, I find inspiration in the unity prayer. Um, I, I find it in lots of places. Um, and the most recent place, um, has been with the new Lady Gaga song. Um, so I, I just want to read you a little part from the song. Um, it says, I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. And with that, um, I say that I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Um, just as I believe that I was born with DNA to make my hair brown and my eyes blue and to make me a gay man, I believe that I also was born with DNA that makes me prone to be a compulsive eater um, and to have an addictive personality. And that's that's part of my story. Um, I grew up in a household where food was a coping mechanism. Um, My mom is a compulsive overeater. Um, I learned how to be a compulsive overeater from her. Um, I can also say that I learned about 12-step recovery from her. She's been in recovery for 12 years um, and was the first person to expose me to that. Um, So I'm really grateful um, for the journey that that I've walked with my mom. Um, I was born in the 70s, um, and my first food-related incident that I remember is um, ice cream being missing out of our freezer, and my parents realizing it, and I was an only child, so when they asked me who ate the ice cream, and I said, I don't know, it wasn't me, that was not not the best uh, tactic there. Um, so... Um, it was, it was really embarrassing. I was, I was eight or nine years old and I, I was mortified. Um, and, um, I also remember times where I would sneak food, um, from my, I had friends that I would go spend time with a lot. Um, and they had five kids, so there was lots of snack food in their house. And, I, I remember almost every time I'd walk through their kitchen, I would grab something off of the counter and eat it. Um, And a lot of times do it in secret because I was embarrassed that I was going to eat again. Um, I really got into my disease when I was about 11 or 12. My family and I, I was born in Chicago. We moved at that time to Dallas. um, And we moved in the middle of a school year and we were leaving behind a family of, my mom's from a family of 10, my dad from a family of five, and we were moving somewhere where I didn't know anyone. Um, my parents didn't know anyone. Um, and we moved for a job um, for my mom to support our family. So it was, it was something that was necessary, um, but it didn't make it any easier. Um, I felt really different as a new kid in this school. We moved about six weeks before the school year ended. So I had six weeks before summer break um, to try and make connections with people. And being 11 and being overweight and being in a new school where I didn't know anyone, it was really tough. Um, And I would come home from school and make food for myself and sit and watch TV and eat. I I used to watch the Oprah Winfrey show all the time because I think, since it happened in Chicago, it was filmed in Chicago, it made me feel like I was a little closer to home because I was watching Oprah. Um, But so Oprah and food became good friends of mine. Um, (laughs) So I remember feeling different um, from third grade on. Um, I remember having crushes on boys and I say that because it's part of my story that I'm a gay man, but I don't think that being gay made me a compulsive eater. Being a compulsive eater made me gay. Um, I just, that would be a new one for the media. (laughs) Um, But I mention it because feeling different or feeling like an outsider leads to isolation and isolation is part of my disease. Um, so I I feel like that's a key feature for me. Um, so by the time I was 14, I had made a lot of friends um, in this new place, um, and I started to get really involved in school. Um, When I was uh, 15, the summer before 10th grade, my parents sent me to an eating disorder unit. And they asked if I wanted to do it. It wasn't like I was forced to go. Um, But I went into a hospitalization program for about eight weeks. um, And it was all women. Um, I was the only compulsive overeater. Um, There was a lot of anorexia and bulimia in the program. so it was, it was kind of unfortunate because I, I felt like an outsider even, even there. Um, but I in that program, I learned some tools. I lost about 65 pounds. Um, when I went in, I was about 230 pounds. Oh, I'll pass around pictures. Um, when I went in, I was about 230 pounds, and I lost about 65 pounds in that program over an 8- or 10-week period. Um, it was really fast, but... Uh, I mean, they controlled everything that went in my mouth, and they forced us to exercise, and so it was, it was a recipe for weight loss. Um, unfortunately, there was no sustainable way of dealing with the emotional and the spiritual problem that I was having at the time. It was a very clinical approach to um, how to fix an eating disorder. Um, so I learned some helpful tools, but it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable in the three years after that, um, I continued to make friends and get involved at school. I, I really felt like if I could do more at school and if I could give more to other people, that maybe they would like me and maybe I would belong more. Um, and the problem was that I didn't like myself. So trying to get other people to like me wasn't, wasn't going to help. Um, I, by the time I graduated high school, I was a little over 300 pounds. Um, so I had gained all that weight that I lost back plus more. Um, I went to college at 18 and thought, uh, I could start a new life. Um, I'm moving to Baltimore from Dallas and I'm not going to be a compulsive eater anymore. Um, and I, I, kind of tricked myself into that i i started eating healthily. i started exercising on a regular basis and i lost about 70 pounds um but then all the problems came up again it as a compulsive eater it's not that i don't know what to do to lose weight it's i don't know what to do with my feelings (laughs) and my feelings are what make me go to the food over and over and over again in my life um I'm 37, and I've been dealing with an eating disorder in earnest for 25, 30 years, um, which is overwhelming. When I sat down to, to pull this together, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's a really long time to struggle with this. Um, so I in college, I, I started dating. Um, I felt different, um, and... So I started dating women because I thought, well, if I date women, like, then this gay thing will go away. I didn't have a name for it. Like, I didn't know. I just, I just felt different. Well, that didn't really work. Um, I, by the time I was in graduate school, was able to admit the fact that I was gay. Um, and that didn't solve my eating problem either. I, it was another place in my life where I thought, here's a huge change in front of me, and this is going to change my eating. I'm not going to have this problem of being overweight anymore. Um, it's going to be magically fixed. Um, and that that wasn't the truth. Um, I uh, Over the next six or seven years, my, my weight kind of yo-yoed. And I went to an OA program, um, an OA meeting, um, but I came away from it feeling like, and this is probably why they say go to five or six meetings before you make your decision of if this is right for you. I went to one and came away feeling like it was a room full of overweight people complaining about being overweight and being sad about it. And there, I didn't experience the strength and hope piece of it um, when I went. And that's really unfortunate um, because I walked out of the room and didn't go back for a very long time. Um I, another part of my story that I have kind of left out is that I struggle with depression. And um, I have dealt with depression since around college, a little bit after college. And my depression tends to feed my eating disorder. And my eating disorder feeds my depression. Um, Not eating healthily is really bad for depression. Um, and, and when I was depressed, it made it that much harder to do the things I needed to do to take care of myself. Um, when I was 26, I moved to Chicago. Um, and again, I thought, I'm moving to a new place. I'm going to magically be fixed. Um, I wasn't. And I remember I got really, really depressed. And I remember saying to my mother um, that if this is what life was like, I didn't want to live because I couldn't imagine living like this for 60 more years. Um, it was horrible. Um, I, I was binging every day after work, um, large amounts of food. And I would eat until I felt sick and eat until I, like, essentially fell asleep. And then I would wake up in the morning and try not to eat again, um, and so I would starve myself all day until dinner time, and then I wouldn't eat dinner. I would binge on food. Um, so one day I called my mom, crying, and uh, I said, "I think I'm I'm ready to try this program that you're in." She had been in program for a couple of years at that point, and. I remember I used to make fun of her because in her program they didn't eat sugar or flour. And I thought, that's ridiculous. Like, how people don't do that? Like, that's not real life. And I had so many opinions about it, and I thought it was just crazy. Um, and yet I was finally brought to a place where I thought, I am willing to try anything because I'm so miserable. Um, the program that she was in is was not OA. It was Compulsive Eaters Anonymous, how? Um, and so that's the program that I joined in Chicago. Um, it is very structured, very regimented. Um, there's a food plan that you have to follow if you're going to be in the program, um, and it's the same regardless of if you are five foot two or six foot four, a man or a woman. You eat the same amount of food. Um, so I lost 150 pounds in 10 months. Um, and I don't think that was probably the healthiest approach for me. Um, it, it definitely, I had a lot of physical recovery in that program, um, obviously. But I didn't have the spiritual or emotional part. I didn't have time to let my mind kind of wrap itself around what was going on. I had an entirely different body in 10 months and my, my brain didn't have a chance to catch up um, and I spent so much time being afraid that I wasn't going to get the spiritual piece of it um, I, I grew up in the Catholic church um, shortly after college and around dealing with the gay issue I got really upset with the church and just felt like it wasn't a place that I belonged because they didn't want me so I didn't want them um, and so I I was in program and I thought how am I going to get the spiritual thing because I'm I'm angry at the church and therefore I felt like I was angry at God, um, and I spent so much time worrying about whether or not I was going to get the spiritual piece that I didn't get it. Um, I wasn't present. I I was too consumed by my fear and wasn't present to be able to get the spiritual part of program. Um, I've been in therapy for a very long time and so I I kind of got the emotional part of it, um, started to, started to get the emotional part of it, but the spiritual part wasn't there. Um, anyway, after 10 months in program and after losing 150 pounds, I left program. Um, I started dating and dating men and I started to feel like I was really different. Um, that, this program there were only about 20 or 30 people in the program in chicago and i told myself i'm a different person i'm I'm different than everyone else in the room um these are women in their 40s and 50s from the suburbs and i'm a gay man who is 29 or 30. what do i have in common with them I don't belong here. And so I did that same thing of I don't belong and I'm going to isolate myself, and I went out of the rooms. Um, I gained the weight back. In a year and a half or two years, I gained 150 plus another 20. Um, So at that point, I was up to 370 pounds. Um, I ended up going back um, maybe two years after I left lost another hundred pounds, um, in 10 months and then, um, moved to San Francisco. Um, and they didn't have see how here. So I thought, well, I'll just have a sponsor over the phone and I don't need to go to meetings. I know this food plan. I can do all of this on my own back to that same mentality of, I can do this on my own. I can, move to a new city, I can be a different person, and life is going to change for me. Well, needless to say, that doesn't work, <laughs> um, or it didn't work for me. Um, I, in about eight months of living here, proceeded to gain about 70 of the 100 pounds back. Um, and that's a really fast gaining of weight. Um, That just goes to show how much I was eating. I I was unemployed. I moved here without having a job. And I would spend the money that I had on food. I would drive to the grocery store every day and get food and do the same thing that I was doing before, of eating until I felt sick, going to sleep, getting up the next day and doing the same thing over again. But that's when I found OA. Um, I went to the OA website, and I saw that they had... LGBT meetings, and that like blew my mind. I, coming from Chicago, where I was the only queer person in the room of twenty or thirty people, of see how, and coming to a city where they actually had meetings of gay people, like there were enough gay people to actually have a meeting, kind of blew my mind, <laughs> um, and I, I think that's what made me feel safe enough to go into a room and and start the journey again and so i'm really grateful that there are those meetings Um, and i'm grateful that i can come to meetings in san francisco and run into people that i know and people that i know are queer and it it makes me feel safe um it makes me there there's an attitude in san francisco for most people that I am okay as a human being, even though I'm gay. And so I get that from straight people. I get that from gay people. And it is, it makes me feel warm inside. Um, I didn't have that in Chicago. Um, so anyway, my previous experience with 12-step programs and, and see how those two times made me familiar with the steps. Um, but like I said, I was so worried about not getting the spiritual part that I didn't get it. Um, I came to program to OA in November of 2009. Um, at that time I defined my abstinence as no sugar. Um, but at five months into program and no physical recovery, um, I realized I was finding ways to compulsively eat, even though I wasn't eating sugar. Um, and so in May of 2010, I gave up white and wheat flour and stayed off of sugar. Um, At this point, I only eat a few different grains, um, ones that are quote-unquote safe for me right now that I don't compulsively eat, Um, things like rice and wheat germ. Um, So they're potato products. Um, But that's where I am today. Um, I recently gave up rye bread. I used to eat rye bread because it had a lower glycemic index. I've recently given that up. So my abstinence continues to evolve, um, as I become more willing to, to give things up and more willing to do what I'm called to do, um, to, to be healthier, um, or to be able to cope better, um, really. Um, so in program for the first time, I really feel like I'm working the steps, Um, and I feel like I have the hope that I will actually get through the steps in the previous two times of coming into 12 step program. I was so overwhelmed by the steps. I thought there's no way that I'm going to be able to do this. Um, with step one, I was completely crystal clear on the fact that my life was unmanageable, but the powerlessness part like didn't, didn't make sense to me. Um, it's something that I have to remind myself of constantly that I am powerless in so many ways in my life, um, but most of all over food. Um, I, I don't have um, that part of my brain that allows me to deal normally with food that other people have. Um, with step two, we talked a little bit already about um, the Catholic Church and, and whatnot. Um, I have been drawn to Eastern religion... <coughs> I've kind of started to adhere to Buddhist principles. Um, Once I was able to, in step two, get over the fact that I didn't need to have a picture of what my higher power looked like to hang on the wall, Um, I was able to accept that my higher power can be there for me. Today, I I don't know if my higher power is God, and he's an old man with a white beard in the sky, (laughs) or if he is Buddha and he's a, a... man with a big belly that sits in the lotus position i who knows i i know that my higher power is there for me and it's helping me to work my program and to get through each day um with the fellowship and and without compulsively eating um i struggle with step three on a daily basis um it seems like i have short-term memory loss um mm-hmm when it comes to remembering to turn my will and my life over to my higher power. Um, I get caught up in the, like, I have control over this, and I have to remember I'm not in control. Um, Step four was pretty amazing for me. It was really liberating to be able to write down all of the things that made me angry, all of the resentments I had, all of my... Like baggage around sex, all of my fears. It was really, really liberating. Um, I switched sponsors after my fifth step, or after getting about 75% of the way through my fifth step. And my experience of doing my fifth step the second time with the new sponsor was very different. Um, there was a lot of shame, um, there was a lot of embarrassment over those character defects that I was sharing. Um, And I'm not really sure why those two times were different, but that kind of brings me to where I am today. I'm working the sixth step, and it's really, really uncomfortable. It's hard work. Um, It's the hardest step that I've had to work thus far, Um, Being (coughs) looking at my character defects in detail and saying, how has this helped me? How is this hurting me? And what is my life going to be like if I'm able to give this up? is really challenging. Um, But I know from what I've experienced so far that if I keep doing the footwork, if I keep working through the steps, I am going to have um, relief from my disease. Um, Excuse me. Um, And the other thing I have to remember is that I don't have to worry about when I'm going to have the, or when I'm going to be able to have these character defects lifted, when I'm going to make amends to people, um, those are steps that I'm not at yet. I just have to work on being present to what I'm doing today. Life today is filled with with lots of gifts. Um, my depression has been virtually absent for four or five years. Um, I've been able to kind of transform my life by moving here to San Francisco. Um, I have a loving family and group of friends. And I have love, acceptance, and support here in OA and in these rooms. And um, that just makes my life so full and makes me so grateful. Um, So I'm grateful that I'm a compulsive overeater. And I've heard people say that before, and I didn't get it for the longest time. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? How can you be grateful for this disease? But the truth is, I am grateful because by having this disease, I have been forced to look at so many things in my life and to, to work on building relationships that are better relationships and to work on being a better person. And, and so I feel blessed to have been given this challenge in my life. Um, and blessed that I get to recover more and more each day. Um, so I, I don't regret the past, nor do I wish to shut the door on it. Um, and with that i'll i'll close with another verse from lady gaga <laughs> um, don't hide yourself in regret just love yourself and you're set i'm on the right track baby i was born this way